Today on the Tactical Breakdown podcast, I speak with Chip Huth, the 2020 ILEDA Law Enforcement Instructor of the Year. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Tactical Breakdown podcast on the ILEDA Network. Your number one resource for law enforcement training. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. All right, welcome back to Tactical Breakdown. Thank you for joining us. If you are a new listener, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time, investing in yourself, investing in your training. And if you listen to this whole episode and you love the content, consider subscribing or following on your podcast player. It doesn't cost you a thing, but it gives you up-to-date information when we release new content and all the amazing training that we have coming up, not just on the Tactical Breakdown podcast, but in the ILET network in general. Today's interview is going to be a talk about leadership from a policing perspective, from a training perspective, and is with none other than the 2020 ILEDA Instructor of the Year, Mr. Chip Huth. The ILEDA Instructor of the Year is an amazing award that is voted on year after year by previous winners of the award. The award recognizes leadership and training and a commitment to progressing the profession of law enforcement and public safety. And I was so excited and honored to be able to sit down with Chip and pick his brain on leadership, what his thoughts are about what we need to accomplish as law enforcement professionals, as public safety professionals, and as people and trainers in general. And so I love this conversation I have with Chip. I hope you enjoy it as well. So without any further ado, let's jump into the tactical breakdown. Here we go. Here on the tactical breakdown podcast with Chip Huth who is the 2020 ILEDA Instructor of the Year. And we're here, obviously, at the ILEDA 2021 conference. Little weird. Chip, thanks for joining me, brother. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm honored to, to get a sit down across from you. Instructor of the Year here at ILEDA is a pretty big deal. If you look at the list of names that have come before you, it's kind of the who's who mm. of law enforcement instructors. What, is it, what does it mean to you to, to be honored like that? Yeah, well, just that. I mean, it's just, just to be in, in that company. And, and the fact that those past instructors of the year are the ones primarily responsible for selecting me. I mean, that says a lot. I mean, to be upheld by your peers as someone worthy of a recognition like that. I mean, I, you know, what do you say, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it, I'm very, very honored. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was awesome. You know, during opening ceremonies, obviously, we got to see. Uh, you know, it's funny. You walk up there, man, a few words, um, but when you sit in your classes, you're a wealth of knowledge and experience, and you're actually teaching here at the conference this week. What is it that you're talking about, and, and why is it so important that we teach that to instructors? Yes, well, uh, you know, so thanks for the interest. I, I This year at ILEDA, I'm talking about leadership again. It's a favorite topic of mine. The class is the seven traits of effective leaders, and we distinguish between uh, what makes leaders effective versus ineffective. And just kind of narrowed it down to seven broad traits. Obviously, there are many more traits than that. But seven traits that I find to be um, extremely important. There's it, a common theme that you see with, with effective leaders. I try to extract as much knowledge as we can from those folks and put it together in a deliverable, share it with other instructors so that they might be able to uh, take that information and incorporate it into their programs, into their, their way of being, and into their methodology. And I think that really takes on different components, too, when you talk about training instructors, because part of it is you're training the instructor to give them that tools and those understanding about what a good leader is, which is what an instructor is. You're a leader. 
but also so that they can instill those same leadership qualities onto the officers that they're training and then the officers can become a leader in their community. So is that something that you touch on when you're going through your course? Yeah, yeah. so I'm very big on practical wisdom, practical knowledge. I mean, if you can't use what you know, uh, I mean, I'm a philosopher, but I, I don't care too much about navel gazing. I care about philosophy that can be applied to your life. To, you know, as you move through life, tools and, and ways of seeing the world that you can leverage to actually make improvements, right? To actually help other people uh, transcend uh, their current situation, right? I mean, you know, so that's what it's all about for these trainers is they're trying to impart new knowledge. They're trying to impart knowledge to people who, you know, knowledge that they'll be able to use, again, to effectively meet the challenges that they're faced with in their lives. And, and that's certainly uh, the kind of teaching that I, uh, that I like to engage in. Yeah. I want to talk leadership with you because that's what you're, you're, you know, I know you're passionate about it. For me, I mean, for, for those who watch the podcast know, like I was an infantry officer with the Canadian Forces and that was the, the challenges of being a young leader, especially are, 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 it's, it's interesting to say the least. And there's a lot of learning that has to be done. Um, I had my fair share of, of those moments. When we talk leadership, you say there's seven components. Let's let's go over them briefly. Let's let's let you share a bit about your thoughts on each of them. Yeah, well, so uh, and again, there are more than seven components, right. obviously, and uh, I can sympathize a lot with you uh, when it comes to young leadership failures. I mean, I currently have, even though I'm not a young leader anymore, I currently still have failures. I mean, we all do. It isn't about uh, people think about leadership like, well, one day I'll arrive at this point where I'll be this great leader, and really, that's not true. You know, leadership, it's, it's a path, it's a journey. We're all engaged in it, and sometimes we're going to slip off to one side or the other. So um, just being willing to stay in the, the practice. Leadership, you can think of it like a practice. We're practicing leadership. And so you think about the traits. You know, the first trait I talk about is uh, seeing people. Effective leaders see people. And that's the most important trait. That's what we talk about at first. Because if you can't get that right, if you can't manage to understand and interact with folks uh, as they truly are, as people, with hopes, needs, fears, dreams, desires, all those things that constitute uh, humanity, then everything else you do, any other tactic you employ, any other value you espouse, it's really, it's, it's going to fall short. And so what we mean by seeing people is we tend to have uh, a habit of objectifying others. It's just something we do maybe as a byproduct of our egocentrism as human beings, but we tend to see people only in terms of how they're useful to us. You, know, you can think about going through a checkout line at a grocery store and maybe not engaging with the clerk. Maybe you're on your cell phone, you know, you're just swiping your credit card, you're getting your purchases and leaving without really having a, a human exchange with that person. And in that scenario, that would be a, a illustrative of seeing that person as an object, a tool, a vehicle to get what you want and nothing more. Mm -hmm. um, that's how it might manifest, right? But you can see in leadership, we do that all the time, too, when we think about the people that report to us as like chess pieces. You know, I, I need a body to fill this slot, and I'm not concerned particularly uh, at my worst, in my worst moments about what that individual's specific aptitudes or, or needs might be. Um, I'm just not honoring that about them. I'm just thinking about them in terms of where I can plug them in. Mm. And, you know, you just can't get, you can't get the maximum amount of effectiveness out of your leadership when you're doing that. So people respond not only to what you do, but how they're feeling seen by you when you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that you're seeing them as, pe as a person is just, it's so important. Mm -hmm. right? 
so that is, that's the first thing. And I'm telling you, uh, that's the hardest thing because, again, we vacillate often. We have an inward mindset, as we say in, in Arbinger's work, uh, where I'm so completely self-focused on just what I need to an outward mindset where I'm others-inclusive. I think not only about what I need but what other people need. And I adjust my efforts as a leader in a way that allows me to accomplish my goals while honoring the fact that other people have things that matter to them too. That'd be one way of thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that. Seeing the person for who they are. That's, you know, it's, it's interesting. That was one thing when, you know, I got in and I got my platoon. The one thing that the CO said to me was, get to know your men. Get to know your men. That's your job. Yeah. Your job is to know them. Yeah. Your, 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 your NCOs, your warrant, your sergeants, they'll, t- they'll take care of the, the other stuff. You don't know that yet. Your job is to look after your men and know yeah. who they are. And, and that, as soon as you were talking about that, I was just like, just flashbacks, right? So, yeah, yeah I think that's super important. Yeah, but it's incredible. And, and, you know, actually, it's the relationships that you build as that team leader that you're going to end up leveraging to get the mission accomplished. You know, you're not after just mere compliance on the part of your direct reports. You want them to really buy into the mission, right? They, they, need, to be, they need to be invested in it in such a way as if, if you give them your intent, and something falls apart with the program, right? Something changes in the environment. They have to call an audible. They still understand your intent. They're still invested in the mission. They're not just carrying out your orders blindly. They feel seen by you, understood by you. There's great team ability. Again, they can, they can pivot as needed and still accomplish the mission. I mean, you know, again, we're, we're leading people. We're not leading uh, automatons. And that's something we have to remember. Absolutely. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So we see people, then what's the next topic that we cover? We talk about acting with integrity. And the way that we define integrity for the purposes of uh, our talk, uh, the way that I define it for them is the ability to discern right from wrong, independent of your biases, fears, prejudices, and loyalties. So we acknowledge the fact that as human beings, we have biases, fears, prejudices, and loyalties. And those things influence us all the time in subtle and not so subtle ways. And integrity requires, uh, or in order to act with integrity, requires that we're able to pierce the veil of those blinding justifications and see the right thing. And it's so difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have the power to justify our behavior at about 2,400 words per minute. And that happens at a, on a, at a level below conscious awareness. So, you know, if I decide, you know, I mean, here's a simple, just kind of innocuous example. Uh, I decide, you know, I'm eating clean, I'm on a good diet, I'm training for a competition or something, and then I decide I want an ice cream. And I have the power to tell myself a story that makes eating that ice cream not only seem like the right thing to do, but almost inevitable. I can, <laughs> right? I, I, can, I, can, yeah. I can just stack up the justifications. Same thing. You think about, well, I've, I've got a sense, uh, I'm seeing my wife as a person, as we talked about in the first trade, and I have a sense that, gosh, I should gas her car up for her, right, before I take her car back home. And if I do it, that's where the story ends, right? But if I don't do it, I'll start just stacking up these justifications. Well, she didn't gas my car up for me. I'm running late. I'm a very busy person. You know, if I do this, I'm going to be enabling her. Uh, you know, I can, I can say all of these things that make me seem really righteous and her seem kind of more right. horrible than she really is. Right. And it makes the world seem right. So integrity is so important, you know, for, for an effective leader to be able to recognize that tendency that we all have and then course correct for it. And yeah. integrity is the way by which we accomplish that. Yeah, no, integrity is, is a core component. It was like when I, I had a discussion on a podcast. I don't know if you know who Pat Fitzgibbons is. Runs the CJ Evolution podcast. Ah, yes, I do. 
That's uh, why it sounds familiar. I've actually been on Pat's podcast. There you go. Yeah. So Pat, we did it. Pat and I actually, funny story that you, it's funny that we're talking about leadership. When Pat called me to be on his show, he's like, what are you going to talk about? I was like, let's talk about leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the pillars that I talked about, integrity was was one of those pillars. Um, you, you, without integrity, you you kind of lose the foundation of everything else. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing there to 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 stop a downward slide. It's it's kind of the core found for me anyway. For my personal, that was and and the only reason I say that was because at the beginning of my leadership journey, I was lacking in that that trait that skill set, and it was a, it was a very learned thing for me. You learn very quickly if you don't show integrity, the consequences build up very quickly. Yeah. Without a doubt, and uh, and Pat's Pat has a really good program there uh, on CJ Evolution. I really enjoyed uh, my visit with him as well. Yeah, Pat Pat's good people. Yeah, we I do a lot of st- awesome stuff with Pat. So, seeing people, integrity. What's number three? Oh, effective leaders act with humility. Uh, something we cover. So we talk about humility. We define it basically as radical self awareness. You know, the ability to uh, just realize that you're limited, you're bounded as a human, and you can't have all the answers. You know, indeed, no one expects you to have all the answers. And you have to get really intensely curious about people. And, you know, this invitation that you have for folks to correct you and to approach you and to know that you're open to feedback, uh, it's incredibly important. All the best leaders that I've worked with, uh, some some big, big names, uh, they tend to espouse this this uh, this aspect of, of of effective traits, right? This effective trait, this acting with humility, uh, that's a characteristic that just tends to be common across those leaders, regardless of their domain, right? The corporate, military, nonprofit, you know, law enforcement, whatever they're, you know, whatever space they're leaning in, effective leaders tend to have some degree of humility. So I really, really push that. We talk about that a lot in the in the course. Absolutely. What is the what is the conversation that surrounds that when you have officers in your course and you're trying to be like, hey, because that's a, that's a tough one for some guys, right? Like, hey, here's, you know, yeah. we, want you to, we want you to take it down a notch. Yeah, what- well, it's not as tough conceptually. I think people understand at a conceptual level that humility is really a, it's like a superpower. But where it becomes tough is in practice because, again, I think we have, we create these these images of ourselves, these self-justifying images. Like we see ourselves in, in certain ways, and then we feel the need to respond negatively to anything or any person that threatens our self-image. And that's dangerous, you know. Yeah. Uh, we can't get too overly invested with uh, or overly invested in uh, an identity, a caricature of yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. Seeing people. Integrity, humility, What's next? Yeah, so in, uh, effective leaders invite accountability. Accountability. You know, so we talk about what is accountability, the difference between uh, holding someone accountable and training, equipping, and preparing them to be accountable. You know, when you seek to hold people accountable, what you actually do is you steal away their agency. You steal away from them their ability to do their best. Again, you're relying more on that, that uh, compliance metric than, than the commitment, uh, the idea of commitment. And so what we want to do is we want to prepare people to be self-accountable. So that, again, they're going to do the work and accomplish the mission, even if the positional leader isn't there. Mm. It's like you're really teaching them to, to be a, a leader. They, they lead themselves, right? I mean, it's, it's like they're, they're accountable to themselves, to the mission. And uh, that's what we're after, really, is that accountability piece. And then at the strategic level, we talk about this idea that we want to um, 
build in systems of accountability around us as leaders to compensate for our flaws, our fallibility. So I'm going to surround myself with people who are willing to think in contrarian ways about my plans. They're willing to question again and to offer alternatives and to engage in devil's advocacy. And those are those those systems are really, really important too. Again, these are human beings in the, that populate these systems. And so we're going to have all kinds of mistakes. You know, I've executed between 2,500 and 3,000 high-risk tactical operations in my career. I've never executed a perfect one. It's never happened. I don't know if that's been your experience in the in the in the service or not. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Perfection is <laughs> you. You can strive for perfection, but if you're if you, like you said, if you're accountable to yourself, you realize like, hey, this we could have done better here. Yeah. And I think that's always a real interesting conversation to have with people because it's you want them to have the mindset that it's never good enough. Yeah. I want you leaving training thinking I need to do more. I want to learn more. I want to be more. Um, and uh, yeah, accountability is, is massive. I love that. Yeah. yeah. We get a lot of good discussions in class around accountability, both the strategic and the personal level. One piece that I do, I don't normally get into tactical applications. Uh, I, I generally tend to think that the leaders that I'm talking with are the experts in what they do. Mm. And I center more in on how they are, are with people and what they do. You know, how do you mm. show up with others in what you do? Um, but I, I give them a, uh, a kind of a, a little tactical application uh, of an accountability measure. I talk about when we're dealing with uh, employee misconduct, which is something that, that, that that's it. We, we could con- we conduct, have a whole conversation on that, right? The ways in which we engage proactively or, or, or productively in those conversations and then ineffectively in those conversations. But I give them a little tactical tip about ensuring they're in the right conversation. You know, how to separate the person from the problem, be hard on the problem, soft on the person, and then how to know, again, am I talking about the content of a violation? Am I talking about the pattern that's being established? Or am I talking about the fact that this person is no longer keeping their word and honoring their commitment to do the right thing? Which conversation am I in? How do I engage in each of those conversations to ensure the right outcome or the best outcome we can have? So after we've we've talked to them now about humility and accountability and beating them down with that, and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> What's the next step in, in, in developing that leadership model for you? Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about transparency, which is huge, again, for leaders. And that requires humility. You see these things kind of tie in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, transparency requires humility. But, uh, you know, in today's age, you're, you're transparent whether you want to be or not. I mean, it's pretty much it's right. Not an option anymore. It's not really yeah. an option. If you're talking about it like it's a virtue, yeah. like, well, I'm going to be transparent. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to be transparent because you're in this environment. Um, but we talk about being intentionally transparent and this idea that, you know, the more information we can share with folks, the better. Um, you know, we want them to know our thinking. You know, so it's not enough for me to say to you, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. It's more like this is the plan we've devised. Here's my thinking behind the plan. Here's what's gone into this decision. And you kind of share that. And then another thing that I talk about, kind of like a pro tip, is you know, I, I embrace the philosophy of radical inclusion. I don't have closed-door meetings unless they're about evaluation or discipline. Every other meeting is open to anyone to come. Now, you may not speak if you're not on the agenda due to time constraints, but you're open to observe. You're open to be in the meeting. So we don't hide that from people. Even my leadership team meetings are open to everybody. And I find that to be a really good way to control rumors, really good way to let people kind of see kind of behind the curtain and understand a little bit more about the process. And then also it, it's developing them. 
because as they're sitting there shadowing those meetings, they're seeing, okay, this is the kind of stuff I need to be able to negotiate and contend with if I'm going to step into a positional leadership role. So, you know, all, all the way around, I think transparency is really good. If you talk to anybody who's done any training with me or with ILED or with anything, they'll, 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 they're sick of tra- the word transparency because sure. I bring it up in every conversation. Sure. Being transparent. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna take it into a different direction too with law enforcement and, and the application from a command level. When we ran the 2020 ILET summit, we ran it July last year. We had like 10,000 officers from like 76 countries on it. And when we started promoting it, so we ran it in July. When we started promoting it in June, I would get these messages back, or, or you know, we'd put a Facebook thing out there. And obviously, it doesn't hit 100% to the people that you want. So we're getting people leaving comments on there. And the first thing that we sent out was like, get your free ticket to this law enforcement conference or whatever, right? Yeah. And the and the first comment back was like, the only free ticket you're going to get is a speeding ticket. <laughs> and then it was like, what are you teaching cops to do? How to kill people and get away with it? And, wow. and all these things. And I sat there and I'm like, well, I could take this like one of three ways, right? One, I could take it a bad route, which we're not going to do. Sure. I could ignore them, right? Which... Okay, status quo, I guess, which is probably the, the approach that a lot of people are taking right now. I chose to, to go a different route, and I reached out to each and every person that messaged us, and I directly messaged that person. I said, hi, my name's Adam. I'm running this event. I would personally like to, and these are civilians, I would personally like to invite you to attend this event. Yeah. It's free for you. You come in, and I want you to see what we're training officers. I want you to come in and watch. I want you to see the conversations that are happening. I want to, and you know, obviously there was trolls. We don't worry about them. There's people that just didn't care, but there was a handful that took advantage of it. And I'll tell you what, the conversations that I had after that conference with those people was like, wow, thanks, I had no idea. And it's like, I don't know why agencies are so scared to say, hey, this is what we're training our officers. It's not like we're teaching secret squirrel stuff in a basement. like. <laughs> Burn the tape. Can't share it. Yeah. There's certain tactical and, and operational things that we don't share. But for the most part, sure. why can't we be more transparent with, with how and, and why we do certain operations? Yeah. And um, anyway, that was, a, that was an approach that I took with the event. And it was probably the smallest drop in the bucket when it comes to mending, you know, relationship with the community. But if imagine if everybody did that. Yeah. And how tra- if everybody was transparent with it, yeah. it was like, hey. You know, I, it just it was an interesting kind of segue to, to what you said there. No, I like that. And, you know, one of the tips I give uh, students is, look, be honest or at least don't lie. And what I mean by that is, you know, be transparent and tell people the truth. Share with them what you can. If there's something you can't share with them, like the stuff that you talked about, right, the details of, of tactical operations, just tell them why you can't share it. Hmm. Just explain to them, hey, look, there's going to be aspects of this plan that we won't make public, and here's why. We're concerned about the safety of the people conducting the operation and the safety of the people we're trying to help. Mm. Uh, we just it would be irresponsible for us, maybe unethical for us, mm-hmm. to share something like that. But everything else, we're going to go ahead and be open about. We're going to share with you because we want to be transparent. Mm. And again, I know that word. We're probably come up with a new word. Yeah. It's become so trite. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're very limited or bounded by our language, which is crazy because I think I think, and I would you please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. The English language has more words than any other language in the oh, world. Oh yeah, why well, I, I couldn't I couldn't 
I couldn't correct you right. because I'm not sure. But that I'm sure, sure somebody, sounds plausible. Somebody will. Somebody, if somebody, because this will be on YouTube, yeah. so somebody's going to be on there being like, no, 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 no. It sounds plausible though. Well, I mean, think think about how many like, you know, we have so many words that mean so many different things, and then we have 18 words for the same thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Anyways, yeah. that's a that's a rabbit hole. No, we I think that's fascinating. You know, I'm just not familiar enough with other languages to be you know to, to make an educated you know uh, assumption about whether or not we have more or less. But but yeah, I mean, it's have you ever seen that? There's a, there's a I think it's a video. It's probably on Facebook. Um, they use a certain expletive starting with the letter F. Oh, I've seen that. that. They're like <laughs> the amount of applications oh, yeah. that that word has. Yeah. Very, very funny. Even your intonation. I mean, you can change the meaning of the word by how you say it and what syllables you emphasize. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so now we've covered transparency, accountability, humility, seeing people, and am I missing one? Integrity. Integrity. Yeah. Okay, five. Two to go. Uh, so building trust. Effectively, just build trust. And, and I, I recommend, uh, I actually picked this up from General Stanley McChrystal. Um, this metaphor, I recommend approaching approaching trust building, uh, like he rep- rep- recommends approaching leadership, which is for, as a gardener. You know, you're you're nurturing, you're tending, you're building, you're growing trust. Right, that's the idea. Um, I love that gardener metaphor um, because one of the things that I I extend that a little bit in, in my course, and I ask people, what do you have to do to get weeds in your garden? And of course, the answer is nothing. Right, if you do nothing. Weeds will grow in your garden. It's the same thing with trust. If you do nothing to proactively build trust, people will naturally lean toward distrusting. The less you communicate, the less you share. Um, you know, we have this negativity bias. We all operate with it. I think it's an evolutionary feature that keeps us alive. You know, it's the reason that you, driving down the highway, you're getting mad at people for rubbernecking a wreck across the median. But when you get up there, you turn and look too. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter no matter how much it frustrates you, other people do. You're going to do it because mm-hmm. we're, we're we're alive to negativity. We pay attention to gossip. We we pay attention to to rumors. You know, we have a heightened sensitivity to that. What's the same thing here? If I don't constantly work on building trust with folks proactively, intending to that, then uh, weeds are going to creep in. People are going to make their own assumptions. They're going to draw their own conclusions. And so I have to be real intentional about that. And, you know, one of the ways I give them, again, a tip, one of the ways that I talk about building trust is defending those who aren't present. So when people start running other people down, instead of jumping on that bandwagon, even if there might be some things you might agree with that they're saying, right, you might, you might agree with them on some points, don't be tempted to jump into that conversation in a negative way. Instead, defend the person. So like, listen, man, I, I know Tom. If Tom's really having a problem like that, maybe we should go talk to him and see if we can help. And you're sending a clear message to, that, to, the, to those folks. One, they're in the presence of someone with character. But two, you're also letting them know you'd defend them if they were on the receiving end of that gossip. You're actually building trust. So what we want to do is we want to talk to people, not about them. That's kind of the theme there. And again, that's a way to help build trust. And then uh, making commitments and following through on them is huge. Go out of your way to find things you can commit to. For the team, and then follow through on them. Uh, you know, start small, little commitments, things that are easy, and then build from there. Find out what is keeping people up at night. Find out one problem you can solve for them and solve it. And that's going to get you on the way uh, to building trust. And you'll find that trust, uh, if you work on it proactively and you stay on top of it, it compounds. You'll get much more uh, in terms of return uh, than you do an in investment. 
First thing that jumps to mind from an instructor perspective is, say you're running a DT class and the class breaks for lunch or it breaks for the day and you're sitting in the, in the room with your other instructors and, and then the conversation starts. Mm. Oh, hey, you know, Bob is, mm. you know, what the, you know, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. Um, well, well, he's screwed. Like, there's no way. And it's and and, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, but he's always been like that. And da 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 da. Yeah. da. And it's that conversation amongst instructors. Yeah. And even though it, you think it's closed door, it's like, again, going back to the integrity. And now trying to build trust within your instructor group, and be like, hey, man, if, if he sucks, that's on us. Yeah. That's not him. That's us. That's a failure on us. Yeah. To, to a great extent, that's true. I mean, there are going to be people you run up against sometimes that... Well, there's, there's special people. Well, well, you know, it's a, well, actually, it's a corporate effort. You know, between a tra- it's a relationship between a trainer and a trainee, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's effort on, required on the part of both people, right? I mean, the, the, the trainer's responsibility is to train and give the best of themselves and facilitate an environment that sets this person up for success. But it, then the trainee has to also take that knowledge, apply it, and do the hard work. You can't do the work for them. Um, but, but to your point, um, whether it's a personal decision or some type of a uh, intellectual uh, challenge that they're having, uh, maybe it's, you know, it's a competency issue, whatever it is, um, for us to then you know, disparage them over it is really pointless. Um, I like the idea of considering or putting the most weight on you as the trainer the most responsibility for this person's success. And the reason I like that is, although it is a corporate effort, um, that's something you control, mm-hmm. is your effort. So you're, you know, you're focusing on things you can do something about. You can do nothing about their capacity to learn, but you can absolutely address your ability to teach, your ability to share. So I really like that, that, that idea. Because you're accountable. You're accountable, right. Right. Again, you're starting to see this theme that runs through all these traits. Right. And I noticed it too. And by the way, I didn't make these things up. These are things that I observed in effective leaders as I was striving to be a more effective leader, as I still continue to strive to be a more effective leader. I've got people in my mind, role models, people I think about. Um, and these aren't perfect people. We're all a mixed bag. What, one of the worst things that we can ever do is take an idea and throw it away because it comes from a person that we don't particularly care for. You know, again, that's a really bad. That's a really bad concept. It's a really bad way to operate. You really need to again separate the person from that concept. And is this concept worth struggling? Even someone that, that you don't particularly care for can give you some really helpful feedback if you're willing to listen. Matter of fact, they can test you in ways that maybe people that like you can't. So you know, I think that's real important. Yeah, you see that in a conference here. Like I, it doesn't happen a lot at Ilita, but. Even here, you walk out into that expo hall right now, yeah. you have companies that are in direct competition with one another. And what? And there is a lot of that. Sometimes there's infighting. Sometimes oh, there's, yeah. he said, she's, don't deal with that, whatever it is. But the way we've approached things always, it's, well, are, are they putting out good training content? Yeah. Or are they putting out good training content? Yeah. Then I'll take both. Wow. I don't want to do it if they're not doing it. Cool. Then you can kick rocks and I'll take them. Because... I want people that are willing to share and are open to other ideas, other points of view. There's nothing more powerful than sitting in a, or listening to a conversation with two people with opposing points of view that can have more of a debate where it's, it's like a factual conversation where people don't get heated emotionally and they can actually de- debate and discuss topics, but then also accept like, oh, 
That's a great point. I never thought of that. I'm going to have to now take that and, and combine that with what I know to now, and it'll help me grow my, it, it's not necessarily going to change my mind, but it'll give me a separate reference point on a topic. And I think that's something that's, that's very, it's, it's lacking a lot um, with certain people. And that's one of the things that we're trying to push out is like, hey, listen, just be open. Be open to new ideas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like with, well, instructors especially. You, you know there's, there's, there's people here, right, that it's this. I've been doing this this way for 20 yeah. years. What, you know? Cool, man. That's awesome. And what you do is awesome. But have you seen this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I think the half-life on knowledge these days is probably about seven years. So if you've done nothing to improve yourself in seven years, you're probably halfway to irrelevant as an instructor. Yeah, absolutely. Let's round it off, man. What's the last piece? What's the last thing that you leave your, your students with here? Yeah, effective leaders are good communicators. I mean, they're able to communicate effectively. Um, you, you can't, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have in your head. It doesn't ha- matter how brilliant you are. If you can't effectively communicate intent and communicate information to people in a way that they can actually understand it, um, then you're, you're not going to be able to you know, to, to lead well. I mean, you, you may be able to talk about some theories or some things, some things in abstract, but you're not going to be able to actually imbue people with practical information that they can execute. So, you know, it becomes even more important these days. You look at the complex nature of our environment. We've got chiefs and, and police commissioners and leaders that are being, you know, presented to the media and the media are questioning them. And they're talking about all kinds of complicated issues like racism and police violence and all these other things, those leaders have to be able to properly communicate, answer those questions, and be verbally agile enough to navigate those dangerous waters. Because, you know, in a world where everything's recorded and played back and taken out of context, I mean, you could be easily twisted up. So, you know, you really have to work on that. And communication is a skill. It's not something that, again, that comes natural for anyone. So, well, that guy's a natural communicator. Well, you know, they may have personality traits that dispose them to uh, being more open, right? Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that without training and practice, anyone's going to be a great communicator. I think that's something you really have to work on. So we, we kind of round it out by talking about that, right? It's not only what you know, but what you're able to share. And you can see how important that is for trainers. I mean, how many times have you seen in your career, uh, I grew up in the DT world, in the defensive tactics space, I met many fighters engaged in everything from MMA to, uh, you know, wrestling, you know, kickboxing, who were great fighters. They couldn't teach a lick. You know, they could not transfer the knowledge they had onto the students. And I got to tell you, and this is a pretty bold statement, but if I had to choose between someone who was a great fighter and a mediocre teacher or someone who was a really mediocre fighter and a great teacher to run a DT class, I'm choosing the latter. Because the most important thing is that that trainer be able to impart knowledge onto those students so that the knowledge they'll be able to use. And, you know, and the hallmark for that trainer would be like, look, they could train people to do things better than they can do them. You right? know, the, the best players don't always make the best coaches. No. Right? Oh, no. And so... <laughs> look you, at Andy Reid with the Chiefs, right? Andy, Andy Reid did play, right. without a doubt. But I'm going to tell you right now, his current physical condition, he wouldn't have a chance on the, on the football field. But his knowledge has grown so much mm. from the time that he was a player and young and, and, and more athletic, right? So he's a great coach. He's a great strategist. And he can motivate and guide those players. But to your point, he doesn't have any place on the football field mm. at this point in his life, right? And I want to loop in the first point you made about knowing 
your people, seeing your people and knowing your people, as an instructor, realizing, well, first of all, being accountable to yourself, knowing, hey, maybe I don't know everything. Um, this was something that happened to me um, in, a, in a DT class I was running. Um, I had a, a student that was in the class who was a jujitsu black belt, and we're teaching ground fighting. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and I know I know what's in the book, and I can handle myself, sure. and I can teach it. Sure. But I'm sitting there, and obviously I'm not really I'm not over there telling him help him. He's kind of off on his own doing his thing, and and we're sitting there, and somebody asked a question that was outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. I called that student over and said, "Hey, man, I have a question for you." Yeah. He's and and I took a step back. Yeah. Because I wasn't the subject matter expert anymore, but. Being able to to understand that, having enough humility to know, hey man, that I'm sure I'm the instructor, but this guy is the subject matter yeah. expert, right? Give him the floor for the two minutes it took him to share one thing, which I was like, oh, that that's fantastic. Yeah. Like, and now I can take that the next class we run, and I don't have him. Sure. At least now I can answer that, and it's it's that combination of traits yeah. that you said, right? And it's just it's 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 crazy how. Once you have these conversations and instructors get to learn, oh, these are, oh, I understand what you're, I'm tracking. Yeah. I'm tracking what you're saying. So I love that. I love that. So seven traits for effective leadership. And what is it about Aelita here for you that, why is it that, that you felt that was an important topic for you to discuss here? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think it's an important topic everywhere. But again, I see trainers as leaders. You know, most of these trainers are going to be positional leaders, not going to be prescribed leaders, but they're going to be de facto leaders. I mean, there are a lot of times the first leaders that the folks we indoctrinate into the profession encounter, right? They're the, they're the role models, people looking up to, the people that are showing the way. I mean, I always say that you're constantly teaching and sometimes you talk. They're paying attention to what you do. And so, you know, these are all leaders that we're talking with, right, regardless of rank. So I felt that was important to get across to them. Um, and, and again, these, these, there aren't special leadership domains for prescribed or non-prescribed leaders. I mean, these things are, they're, they're universal. And so I thought that was important. And then as far as I lead itself is concerned, um, you know, for me, the coolest thing about this is the diversity of experience, the diversity of opinion. Um, you've got, you know, five or six different people teaching handgun retention, let's say. So you, what, what can I take from this system? What can I learn from this system? What are the interconnecting principles here? Are there foundational things that these systems share in common? And then why this over this? Well, you know, you get the instructor perspective, and it's a great dialogue. Some of the great conversations you hear on break in the hallways, right? Mm -hmm. People debating philosophies and stuff. It's really a think tank more than anything. And I lead a, it creates an environment in which it's safe for instructors to come and share those differing perspectives. And I like to be part of that. I like to be, kind of be a fly on the wall, just kind of paying attention and soaking in as much as I can. I love it. Well, I'm honored that you have the time to sit down and chat with me, and thank you so much. Congratulations again on the Instructor of the Year, and uh, hope that we can sit down and do this again soon, man. Man, sure. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Join the ILIT Network now. Go to ILIT.network. That's I-L-E-T dot network. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.